0: Welcome to the Edinburgh Vineyard Podcast. If you'd like to find out more about us, please visit edinburghvineyard.org. You can also find us on Instagram and Facebook. Good morning, good morning. Hey, my name's Kate. For those of you who don't know me, it's um, great to have you here. Oh, what a joy. So we are starting a new series today. Oh, good response. Um it's all about Gideon. I know, right? So when I'm praying for you guys, I often start by asking God, So what do you see, Lord, when you look at Ali? Or what do you see, Lord, when you look at Joanne? Or what do you see, Lord, when you look at Johnny with his biscuit in his mouth? <laughs> what do you see, Lord, when you look at these people? And um, and I take it from there as like how to pray for you. And so when we felt the Lord prompt us to teach on a guy called Gideon in the Bible, um, I just kind of felt the Lord asking me to do a similar thing. Like, what do you see, Lord, when you look at Gideon? What do you see? Did did you look at him back then and see the warrior that he was going to become? I mean, our... um our first glance of Gideon is, um, is when he's deliberately hiding himself away for any of you who know this story. And I'm asking God, I'm opening my Bible. I'm like, what did, you, what did you see there? This guy, he's just hiding himself away. He's not the finished article by any stretch of the imagination. Like all of us, we are all work in progress, hoping to just become a little bit more like Jesus every day. And the Gideon that you see at the end of the series in four weeks, is going to be very different to the Gideon that we are introduced to today. So I'd like you to look at Gideon this morning and consider what do you see in him as we open the Bible together? Does his life reflect yours in any way? Do his choices reflect yours in any way? Are there parallels with his story and your story None of these are leading questions, by the way. (laughs) The answer to all of those questions could be no, but here's the thing. The Lord is unchanging, and if nothing else, you will see the way God speaks and interacts with Gideon is the same he speaks and interacts with you today. So let's dive straight in. Turn with me, if you've got a Bible, to Judges chapter 6. Judges is the seventh book in the Bible after Joshua Just use the contents page. That's what it's there for. There's no shame. You don't need to know all of them off by heart. All right. So it's up on the screen as well. Here we go. Let me give you a bit of an intro before I start reading there. Uh, Gideon is an Israelite. He is living alongside all other Israelites in the promised land of Canaan. And it's the land that God's promised to them for years. But even though. The Israelites are in the promised land. They're in trouble, which is kind of nuts because how can you be in trouble in the promised land? I think it's actually pretty easy. You just gradually forget the God of promise who led you there in the first place. That's what they did. God said, don't worship Canaanite gods. What do you think the Israelites did? Started worshiping Canaanite gods. And because they never occupied the land as God commanded them to, this tribe called the Midianites, they started a- attacking them. And this was like seven years ago, and it hadn't stopped since. And the Midianites, they, they're brutal. We're talking like gang rapes. We're talking killings, stealing of all sorts of crops. And they're cunning with it. These Midianites are cunning. Every year, the Midianites would wait patiently they'd let the israelite farmers you know do all the work and then they'd wait till harvest time and then they'd come down and destroy the lot every year and this is the context that the bible introduces us to gideon so consider with me um your first impressions of him when you see him as we read this he's hiding in a wine press what's he doing in a wine press What even is a wine press? What's a wine press? And what happens next? Here we go. All will be revealed. So the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. And for seven years, he gave them into the hands of the Midianites. Because the power of Midian was so oppressive, the Israelites prepared shelters for themselves in mountain clefts, caves and strongholds. Whenever the Israelites planted their crops, the Midianites, Amalekites, and other eastern, other eastern peoples invaded the country. They camped on the land, ruined the crops all the way to Gaza, and did not spare a living thing for Israel, neither sheep, nor cattle, nor donkeys. They came up with their livestock and their tents like swarms of locusts. It was impossible to count them or their camels. They invaded the land to ravage it. Midian so impoverished the Israelites that they cried out to the Lord for help. And when the Israelites cried out to the Lord because of Midian, he sent them a prophet. That's just someone who hears from God. This prophet said, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. I brought you up out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. I rescued you from the hand of the Egyptians and I delivered you from the hand of all your oppressors. I drove them out before you and gave you their land. I said to you, I am the Lord your God. Do not worship the gods of the Amorites in whose land you live, but you have not listened to me. The angel of the Lord came. And my guess actually with this is he probably looks like he's got an appearance of a regular kind of guy in this instance because he sits down under the oak tree in Ophrah that belonged to Joash, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press. That's what he's doing there. He's threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. That's what Gideon's name means, mighty warrior. Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied, but if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all his wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said, Did not the Lord bring us out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian. The Lord turned to him and said, Go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied. But how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh and I am the least in my family. The Lord answered, I will be with you and you will strike down all the Midianites, leaving none alive. So this is what I see here, here. I see here. What does the Holy Spirit want you to see as we go through this? So actually, if we can leave that up on the screen, that'd be great. Because I'm just going to keep referring to it fab. Thanks. So I see a bored Gideon, actually, a frustrated Gideon. He's a labourer, stamping around fearfully in a wine press, and he's doing ordinary stuff. And when an ordinary looking God shows up with some extraordinary information, he's kind of got a habit of doing that, hasn't he, God? Showing up with some extraordinary information in an ordinary looking place. Kind of sounds familiar. Gideon is the youngest son. Any youngest daughters or sons here? I'm one of them. Julia, you your youngest daughter? Not many. We've we not got many youngest. Okay. He's probably always walked in his father's shadow because his father is a custodian of Baal, one of the Canaanite gods. So his father, Gideon's father, is probably very popular. And Gideon is like a nobody. He's on, like, all his privileges are borrowed because of his dad. And for Gideon, the wine press, with its really high walls, represented, well, like, existence. It's just existence. Existence for another day, like survival for another day. But he's born for something way more satisfying Gideon was hiding away and I think the Lord is saying to you this morning if your current address is a wine press it's time to move out so I want to ask you what are your wine press walls made out of what keeps you like Gideon in the wine press I mean It could be so many things, like all sorts. Perfectionism, people pleasing, ego, laziness, bitterness, fear, overworking, underworking, control. Man, so many things, right? Keep us in this wine press. And I think God this morning wants to come in, just like He did with Gideon, and haul us out of this wine press and give us the freedom. And the stuff that just keeps us inside there. So I'm just going to pray one sec. Holy Spirit, would you just come right now? We just welcome what you're doing. Would you just do your thing? Holy Spirit, would you show us? Let's not go digging for anything, but would you show us if there's anything that you want to show us this morning what are our wine press walls made of just have our have our yes to reveal what you want to say to us okay back in the room i think gideon's wine press walls are made of insecurity and cynicism gideon is being a right cynic here can you just i mean if you just read it it's I'll show you. Here we go. So he's heard countless fireside stories about the power of God defeating Pharaoh and escaping Egypt. But these stories were kind of like locked up in the past. Gideon's got this head full of information about God. But it's like he's got no personal story or friendship with God. Gideon is the, well, he's kind of lost all his hope cynicism is the opposite of hope. You know, those who hope and dream and pray and work and believe for better things are ideal targets, aren't they, for complaining and cynicism. And all these God stories that Gideon knew about when he thought about those ones, when he thought about those stories, like hope was kindled in his heart. He enjoyed listening to the stories of you know crossing this river and Pharaoh and da 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 all these amazing epic god stories. And then cynicism looks like it's just kicked in, and stolen his joy, and he's and it's kind of turned into this complaint. Verse thirteen. Let's look at it. Huh. Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied, but if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all his wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said, did not the Lord bring us out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us, he's abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian. Have you heard stories before, you know, marveled at them, like enjoyed hearing all the stories And then over time, you realize, like, you've just become a target for cynicism. It creeps in, like, steals your hope, rips, like, joy out of your heart. And it keeps you captive in this wine press. You're just annoyed. We get annoyed in this wine press while everyone is, like, free and dancing in the sunshine outside. We're just stuck in this cynicism. And verse 13 said, if the Lord is with us, why Has all this happened to us? Now, that might not be our question, but we ask similar questions, right? We say, why did that person let me down? Why did they do that to me? That was so annoying. That was so hurtful. Why did they do that? The truth is God didn't promise anything different. You know, Paul says to the church in Ephesus, put up with one another. God didn't say it would be any different. Ephesians 4 verse 2. We ask, why is life so painful? It's sometimes even worse for people following Jesus. Why is this? John says in chapter 16, verse 33, in this world, you will have trouble. I don't know whether you found this, but cynics ask the questions, but often they don't want the answers. You might have um, have been in that place yourself sometimes. Even if you solve a question you kind of rush to find another one because cynics often as we can see here have questions rather than an answer you may know people like this you might be in that place yourself where your hope is being stolen and these wine press walls are getting built around you or people you know just like Gideon has Andy Stanley says this. I just think it's an amazing quote. Cynicism is a smokescreen, a defensive cover-up that people hide behind, lest their own sinfulness be exposed. And so the cynic is willing to point the finger of blame at anyone or anything except himself. I don't think Gideon once goes, oh yeah, we might have just disobeyed the Lord here. He told us not to worship Canaanite gods and we did. You know, he's, he's, he's just like, why, why, why? And Gideon then, in verse thirteen, goes, "Now the Lord has abandoned us. He's willing to even accuse God Himself. Now the Lord has abandoned us. Abandon is a strong word, and it's not true. In this case, you know, it was it was Israel that had abandoned God. You might have heard the um, the old adage, you know, if God seems far away, guess who moved." Have you heard that before? Sadly, as a teacher, I don't know if any of the teachers might agree with me. Us teachers can be the worst at this. I've been in a lot of staff rooms and sometimes it's like one person starts and then suddenly someone else is like in the wine press with them. And then there's this group of like moaners and complainers. You, it might. I don't think it's just teachers, but we're not great at it, isn't that true? Staff rooms are like. It's almost like people are pretty much saying, "Move over, Gideon. If there's room in your wine press, I'm just going to sit in there and join you." Okay, so how do we ditch being like this? Is it is it just a case of um, inviting in the Holy Spirit? And I was kind of thinking about this. And I, I was like, remember when Jesus came? It was like the hopeful became more hopeful and the Pharisees became more judgmental. So I kind of have come to the conclusion that the only way we get freedom from this is through repentance, actually. I'm just saying sorry. Sorry, Father. And here's the thing. God deals with our stuff, whether that's cynicism or something else, perfectionism, whatever, whatever that thing, the Holy Spirit might be just like shining a light on this morning. He calls us to something more, but he deals with this stuff first. And it's up to us whether we stay in that wine press or not. Just before I finish, I want to touch on Gideon's insecurity. For those of you that know John Mumford, he used to say, still says, all the time, if there was one thing he could get rid of in leaders and in the church, it would be insecurity. Gideon is so insecure here. And I get it. I don't know about you. We share Gideon's insecurity, right? There's only about 100 verses in the Bible that relate to Gideon's life and a great number of them are specific to dealing with the monstrous insecurity that Gideon seemed to suffer from. It's like, you know, it's like the Midianites are nothing to God. They're like, oh, I can handle the Midianites. Can we just deal with this self-loathing that you have of yourself here, Gideon? And so the approval and this, like stunning affirmation of God came as a bit of a shock to Gideon. He's in this wine press and this is not just friendly words, you know, from a nice God. Yay. I think if we, if we think this is just nice words, we've kind of misrepresented God here. You see, God's words to Gideon and to you are designed to be like a backbone, like a solid backbone. Strength and energy for life were imparted to him in this message. And we have to understand these words correctly in verse 14. It's not it's not saying here, Gideon, you're amazing. Just go for it, Gideon, you know like a shampoo advert. You're you're just the best, Gideon. You're amazing. It's just not how we must read that. Go in the strength you have, verse 14. The Lord turned to him and said, go in the strength you have. That is welded deeply, deeply in the revelation that God was with him. That's why, not because he's amazing strength and confidence are ours when we know that God is determined to walk beside us with a smile that's where our strength comes from God had to turn to look at Gideon verse 14 he has to turn to look at him and affirm him and say look go in the strength has he been turning to face you recently Has he been saying to you, the knowledge of my presence, you know, it's the knowledge of his presence, that's the source of strength to face an uncertain future. That's where the strength comes. You know, if you're a student and you're just facing a new term or you're in a new job or you're just looking at your current role, I don't know, you're thinking of how you bring up your kids or your family or you're I don't know expecting more children or I'm looking at Steph she's like she's just about to give birth like who knows what that little one's going to be like we don't know what our future is going to be like but his presence is the source of our strength it's his presence is the source of strength in an uncertain future just think of what is coming in front of you right now just have a little think just knowing presence is with you he's like it's me I'm your strength I've got you and that's what he's saying to Gideon right here in this wine press slowly the truth dawns inside Gideon's mind I can't wait for you to hear what happens next I think Emily you're kicking off next week aren't you it's just what's happening next because he doesn't stay, just a little bit of a he doesn't stay. He doesn't stay in the wine press, guys. So just to finish, Gideon was holed up in this wine press, his high walls, and God just breaks in. And Gideon breaks out. And I just think he just wants to do that with you guys, some some of you, maybe one, two, three, maybe more of you today. Just like break out of that way of thinking. Well, that thing that is just keeping you like in the wine press. So, why don't we stand? Why don't we stand and see what the Holy Spirit wants to do? You've been listening to the Edinburgh Vineyard podcast. For details of our service times and small groups, please visit edinburghvineyard.org.